0: Acts chapter 15 will be our text this morning, 15th chapter of the book of Acts. It is 41 verses long, but um, there's really two different things that are happening here. And so I want to, to take the time. It won't be the only message that we have out of the 15th chapter of Acts. But I want to take the time to read the entire chapter if we can. Acts 15, verse number 1 says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Now, after the manner of Moses would be quite impossible for some of these people because they were older than, than seven days. And if you were if you were to be circumcised after the manner of Moses you that to be seven days old but um, what they were saying was that they needed to be circumcised or they could not be saved except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses you cannot be saved and that's a condition put upon salvation which Paul and Barnabas had a problem with it's something that we would have a problem with if someone come in here and they wanted to to uh, try to preach that and teach that unto us and say that, that was necessary. Verse number two says, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension. So we were talking about before how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity, but I also said at the same time how foolish it would be of us to think that we would exist that way without there ever being anything that would come up or arise that would cause a difference between different factions or different people within the congregation. So, this is happening here. Verse number 2, as it said, as I read there, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined. Now, when it says they, it means they as a whole. The people that had brought this matter of circumcision up and Paul and Barnabas. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them certainly those who were of the opinion that circumcision was necessary should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question <clears throat> and being brought on their way by the church they passed through phoinicia and samaria declaring the conversion of the gentiles on their way they went preaching and they caused great joy unto all the brethren and when they were come to Jerusalem they were received of the church and the apostles and elders And they declared all things that God had done with them. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed. So these aren't unbelieving Pharisees. These are people who were Pharisees, but they were believers. So of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them, that is the Gentiles, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them. So Peter's building his case Against the circumcision, God put no difference between them and us. He gave the Holy Ghost unto them, just like he did unto us. If circumcision was a necessity before you could be saved, certainly they would not have received the Holy Ghost. This is his point. Again, verse number 9, put no difference between them and us, purifying their hearts by faith. Not purified by ordinances that, that Moses instructed them to keep. Verse number 10, now therefore, why tempt you God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of God, or through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So by the same manner that Peter had spoken, now Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas, Barnabas are speaking too. And after they had held their peace, or they finished speaking, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, or Peter, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agreed the words of the prophets, as it is written, After this I will return. And will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof. And I will set it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord. And all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called. saith the Lord who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all of his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is. That we trouble them not. Or trouble not them. Which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. But that we write unto them, and this by no means is a comprehensive sin list that we as Gentiles ought to keep ourselves from. These are some things that were particular offensive points among their Jewish brethren. And if we're going to keep the unity, you need to keep yourselves from these things so you don't offend your brothers and sisters who are Jewish and who keep these traditions. So he writes in verse number 20 and says, We write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornications and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. So two other men are now going back with Paul and Barnabas. That is, um, Judas, whose surname is Bersabbas and Silas. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Forasmuch as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words subverting your souls saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, here's this unity again, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than the things or than these necessary things that you abstain from meats offered unto idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which you do well or from which you if you keep yourselves you shall do well. (coughs) The end of the letter says fare you well or the salutation. And the end of the letter that he gives unto them. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space or a while, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas. So we have that one dissension that happened about the circumcision. Now we're about to see another. Verse 36, it says, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them who had departed from them in Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus and Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. You may be seated. (coughs) So here we have Two different dissensions and disputations that have arisen. One over circumcision, which takes up the lion's share of chapter 15. And then in the end of the chapter, we have the dissension between Barnabas and Paul overtaking John Mark with them to go back and visit the churches that they had already um, been through and see how the brethren there were doing. But we want to take up this matter this morning, if we can, of what we find there said in verse number two there was no small dissension and disputation so dissensions and disputations that's what we want to kind of talk about this morning the lord willing before we get into the message though let's let's go to the lord and ask him to to bless and to help us this morning as we seek to to hear and understand what it is that the lord would have us to know from this passage father we come to you this morning and Father, we profess our, our own inability, Father, to, to comprehend and to apply, Father, the things that we need to know from your word. Father, we know that wisdom comes from you. We know that it, you've written unto us that if any man lack it, that we should ask. And so, Father, we come this morning asking, ask that you would direct the service this morning, that you would direct our hearts and you direct our thoughts, Father, in these things, and help us to see, uh, Father, if we have never been in a situation like this, that we would gain this morning things and principles, Father, that we need to know, that um, need to be considerations when uh, a dissension does arise. And, Father, for those of us who have been through things of this nature before, Father, that we would gain the same. And, Father, that we'd be able to um, consider the things that have already been this morning, said this morning, Father, in regard to unity and how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in such a state and Father that we would be able to maintain that state by your grace that we be able to maintain the unity and oneness that we ought to have in Christ with one another that we might be the witness that we ought to be unto those who are about us we ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in his name we pray amen <clears throat> so we have certain teachers from Judea who insist upon the necessity of those who have been converted among the Gentiles that they should be circumcised. And Paul and Barnabas certainly do not agree. You can see that from the second verse. There was no small dissension or disputation over this matter. They had not taught the Gentiles that. They had not been instructed by the Lord to make that a matter and a condition of salvation. So this was a real problem. So Paul and Barnabas, with those who are of this opinion that circumcision is necessary, are sent to Jerusalem to consult with the apostles upon this subject. And so they come to Jerusalem and inform the apostles of what all has happened. They haven't seen them. They don't have telephones, computers, email, and those things of that nature to have been able to communicate with them during the course of all that's taken place. And so, you know, they're setting the groundwork and the framework for what's about to take place as far as the dissension, disputation that there is between them and those of the Pharisees by telling them what has happened among the Gentiles. And then of the trouble which certain Pharisees had, had brought out regarding circumcision. And so the apostles assembled together to consider this question. And they, they had a council together to, to consider. I guess I shouldn't say um, counsel so much. I mean, they did counsel with one another to to consider it. But when you think of the council, the council comes together and they issue a decree, and that would be sort of like this church was over the other churches, and it's not necessarily the case. I mean, we don't have a church that's over us, and we're not over any other church. We have but one head, and that is Christ. You know, we don't have any other head. You know, we have elders, and the Bible does talk about us about us um, there being you know wisdom you know in a, a, a body of men who have gone through things like this before and have have already maybe considered this matter before and they have been given wisdom by the Lord to consult you know with them but this was more I guess of a conference than anything else that they were having with one another to consider what, what do we need to, to say about this you know this matter of, of circumcision certainly it was something that Moses you know commanded the Lord had given him as a command to command the the Jewish people, but is this something that we need to command of the Gentiles? And so we have this matter that they're having this conference about, and the apostles and the elders agree as to what is to be done after some discussion, and they send Paul and Barnabas back to give the the determination that they asked for uh, this conference to be to take place, and they give an answer, you know, back to them about you know, what they determined would be best in this situation. I can tell you that I'm thankful this morning that we can talk about what we've already talked about out of Psalm 133, and we can talk about this issue of dissension and disputation without there being any sort of thing like this in our midst at this time. You know, I'm glad that I'm not having to bring a message like this with there being people in the assembly who are at odds over an issue. You know, it's good to be able to bring a message like this while that's not taking place, while there is this goodness and pleasantness what we saw in Psalm one thirty three, verse number one of the brethren dwelling together in unity. While we're looking at a matter like this, and somebody might say, "Well, why are we looking at a matter like this you know, when there's not a dissension, there's not any disputation, you know, in our midst?" Well, one, we're preaching expositorily through a book, and that's what's next. But the other is, that's not the only uh, you know, cause there. Certainly, if I were preaching just topical messages to you, and we're not preaching through a book verse by verse, there would be cause for us to, to hear a message like this even then. Because we need to know, one, that dissensions and disputations happen. That there is trouble, so to speak, in paradise. You know, So that we don't think, well, is there really any unity here? Was there ever any unity here because we 've had this dissension? I mean, since we had this dissension, everything before just must have been a uh, you know a farce i mean it, it wasn 't real it wasn 't true you know we, we really must not have ever had any unity before because now we 've got this dissension. If there was unity before, there would be no dissension and that 's not the case because these these people were unified, they were one in. Christ. They believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Even those who brought up this issue of circumcision, which Paul and Barnabas immediately sharply contended with them about this, because you know, they this can't be a condition. You know, you're trying to bring back you're doing like the Judaizers are doing. You're doing like those who are separate from us. You're doing like those who do not believe that Christ is the Messiah. You're trying to bring the Gentiles back under the old covenant and under all these ordinances and things that the Lord commanded of us under that covenant and cause them to pass through those same things that, that we were called unto, which were all just a type and pointed to and a foreshadowing of Christ himself coming. We can't bring them back under, under that umbrella again. You know, their faith needs to be in Christ not in circumcision you know, we might say this morning faith has to be in Christ not baptism faith has to be in, in Christ and not in uh, a profession of faith faith has to be in Christ and not in the fact that our parents you know, are converted you know, none of these things our faith can be in it has to be in Christ alone so it's no wonder that they sharply you know, contended with them about this matter so We understand, first of all, that it doesn't mean that we're not going to have dissension. It doesn't mean there's not going to be disputations like we see here amongst the church in Antioch. I can tell you that this fellowship here, Brother Dean can tell us better than anybody else probably, and Aunt Nita, they've been here a part of this fellowship longer than most of the rest of us. And they've seen some things and they've been through some things. This fellowship here is not a stranger to dissensions and disputations. Those things have happened here before. Um, I've been a part of this assembly when we've had some dissension about some things. I wasn't a pastor then. Um, I really feel for Brother Pounds when he was, when all that was going on. But... um, Perhaps some of you have been in circles where disagreements have arisen among the body and there have been those who took issue on both sides. I have a good friend. Some of you know him. Got to see him at J.D. and Emily's wedding. Brother Bob Woodruff. He used to belong to, and I've mentioned this to you before, he used to belong to a church in Divide, Texas. And the name of the church was Divide Baptist Church, and we used to joke about, well, that's really funny, you know, that a that a church would be called, you know, Divide Baptist Church. Um, And it it was it was funny. We laughed at times about its name, but when the division really came, it wasn't funny anymore. Um, And if you've been involved in any such strife like that, then I'm sure that you didn't find it to be so either, and we're glad when it was all over. And when that unity that we read about in Psalm 133 was back again and restored. But, you know, take yourself back to those times. If you've been in those situations, take yourself back in your minds to those times. Just like last Sunday I, I tried to give you a picture of, of a person who was disabled. And, you know, tried to get you to go there in your mind to see that person, you know, physically deformed. You know, having that physical malady... So, and then we transferred that to those who are outside of Christ who have that. That's what their souls look like. You know, what you see physically in people, that's what their souls look like. So, this morning, it's not a pleasant thought, but it's a necessary thing. You know, go back there in your minds to that that place, that time when you have been a part of an assembly, when there has been strife that has arisen because of a certain matter, like here with the circumcision remember the hurt remember the absence of smiles remember the coldness the lack of fellowship the heaviness from the weight of it all remember how hypersensitive and insensitive it made people on both sides of the issue Remember the hurt and the grief. Not pleasant thoughts, I know. And if they grieve us, then think how much more so they grieve, you know, our Lord. Grieve our Heavenly Father. It grieves me. You know, these three, even that little one right there. Boy, well, she can get into some sharp contention with her older brother and sister. And of course, the older two can get into sharp contention with one another. And then I get in sharp contention with them. You know, and that's not pleasant, and it's not pleasant in the body of Christ either. There should be no schism in the body; there should be no division, no separation. You know, the most important part, whoever is re, you know regards that person as a key element, or the person who may be regarded the least, and that's probably different in everybody's minds. And you know, I don't know that we should make those distinctions. If we do, then 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 we're going to pay more attention to one part than another when the lord says it's the it's the uncomely parts are the ones that we ought to be paying most attention to you know the one the one that's that's the attractive part the one that's the the in the forefront it, it doesn't really need the attention it gets plenty of attention itself but it's those who are kind of in the shadow so to speak you know those are the ones that 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 need our encouragement those who aren't newborn babes in Christ who need our fellowship and our communion um, you know they they have questions now, John I've been bringing him back and forth on Wednesdays to services and it's given um, you know a lot of time for him to be able to ask a lot of questions it's been good you know for him and you know he's always real um, you know sincere and and in and, in thanking me for the time that I spend with him and and uh, apologetic for having to pick him up and bring him, and I'm you know, I'm glad to do it. You know, I tell him, and what he doesn't realize is, you know, he he's benefiting from the conversations that he's having with me, but I'm benefiting from them too. It's it's not a one-way street. You know, it goes both ways. It's so encouraging to me to be able to 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 be able to share these things with him and tell him these things about the Lord it's it's a great encouragement to me it may be even more of an encouragement to me than it is to him i don't know you know i only know what it is on my part yeah. and i enjoy it but you know we need to be able to to not make those distinctions that that in itself can cause division you know our lord said if if the if the poorest man comes in you know, give him the chief seat. That's where he ought to sit. Don't give the rich man the chief seat. Give, give the poor man the chief seat. Give him the, the important place. Give him the, the, the place where he can, can hear the best or uh, see the best. But we have in this text from start to finish the issue of dissension in two different matters among believers. In the first part, we have a dissension over the issue of the circumcision. And then the end, over Paul and Barnabas taking John and Mark. In the first, there's no division. They, they reach an accord. They say, yes, this is what I think the Lord would have us to do. And that's the important thing. It's not what I think. It's not what you think. What, what, is, what does the Lord want us to do here? You know, how, how should we handle this situation? And let me tell you, there, there's things we're going to come up against that we're not going to have a black and white, you know, verse of Scripture that's going to say indecisively, you know, this is what you must do in this situation. You know, we're going to have principles from Scripture. Somebody might take, take issue with us because we have a piano. Where does the Bible say you that supposed to have a piano? You know, where did you get Scripture for that? You know, people take issue over different things. You know, what about central heat and air? You know, electric lights. Fuse sit in. You know, where'd you get that from? People take issue over different things. In the first, there's no division and unity is kept among the believers over the issue of circumcision. But in the second, we have discord between Paul and Barnabas and they go their separate ways. The unity in the first part we must strive for But sadly, the latter, Paul and Barnabas going their separate ways, sometimes that sort of thing happens. And even though things are going on very smoothly and pleasantly, perhaps for us here right now, it would be foolish, as I said before, for us to think that something like this could not happen. We may not be able to see it now, but it must be prepared for I mean here in Antioch their peace was disturbed and differences arose and let me tell you there is a strange proneness in us all to make our opinion and our practice and the way that we live our lives as a rule and a law for everybody else to follow and that's one thing that we see here about the circumcision you know, this is what Moses said for us. you got to do it too. And that's not necessarily true and correct and right for us to think that way and to judge everybody else by our standard. Well, this is the way we've done it for years. Can't stand on tradition. Can't judge everyone by our standard. Can't conclude that because people don't do things the same way we do them, that they're wrong. What does the Lord have to say about this? And before, let me just say this too, before we go to anyone and say something to them about something because they're doing it differently than we do it, we need to pray about it. Really seek the Lord over it. I know a man that just resigned as an elder, in a church, that they're having a lot of problems, and it's a very painful thing. This man has been called by the Lord to preach the gospel, and when you've been called to do something like that, and you don't have an outlet to be able to do it, it really weighs on you and eats at you. And that's kind of the position that he's in. He could have continued. Where he was doing the same thing that he was doing, but he felt called of the Lord to resign his position, to perhaps cause the church to consider some things and come to some sort of uh, reconciliation with one another, and really pray about the matter, you know, and be in accord like these were here in Antioch. Strive with one another we must not, but endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace we must. What we read there in Ephesians chapter 4. Consider the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. (laughs) Nowhere in there do we find dissension Differences are going to arise, but our endeavor for unity must rise above the dissension. Dissensions are going to rise up. They're going to arise. Problems are going to arise. But our endeavor for unity must rise above. Above those things which we may disagree about. If we're going to honor God and serve Him as He's called us to do. Our Lord said that men would know. Men would know the things that we're trying to tell them about Christ. Know that these things are true because of our love one for another. And if there's no unity, how can they see any love In our midst. When I think of this situation that we see here, think of situations that have happened in the past, things that could come up if we allow them to do so and even lead to division. There's something that a man by the name of A.B. Simpson said. He said, in essentials, it was essential in this situation that circumcision not be made a prerequisite condition for salvation that was essential. Faith must be in Christ. Can't be in circumcision. You know, that's not a necessary condition for salvation. We, we have to agree. This is essential. We have to agree upon this. And he said, in essentials, there must be unity. <clears throat> I know another church, <clears throat> when they came together to pray, at one time the women you know, went and prayed, the men went and prayed, and they didn't pray together. And there rose up a problem about this because there were some who thought they ought to be all in the same room, you know, not praying at the same time, but all, all pray, you know, in the midst of one another. They shouldn't be divided between the men and the women. Of course, there were some women who did not feel comfortable praying in the company of men when they could pray and didn't have a problem praying with the other women. And so. There was this situation. And there were those who stopped coming to the Wednesday night prayer meeting because there was no unity. There was no unity among the people. And they could not. Now they were of the opinion of those that the men and women must pray together. We cannot separate the men and the women. And because in their conscience... You know, their conscience could not allow them. You know, they were convinced, and we're going to come up against this sort of thing. I mean, those who were of the opinion that circumcision was necessary were convinced in their own minds that this must be the way it is. We, we, you know, in their consciences, they were convinced that the Gentiles must be circumcised or they couldn't be saved. And we're going to run up against different situations and come into different circumstances where people are going to be convinced of certain things. Maybe they've been mistaught. I don't know. Maybe in their minds, their conscience, and what they're convinced of, they can do nothing else but this. And we have to obey our consciences. And that's what these people said. You know, we have to obey our consciences. We can't be a part of this because we don't think it's right. And so they stopped coming. And so those that that were, you know, of the opinion that, you know, there are those who want to pray separately. That's fine with us. And didn't really have... Their consciences weren't were convicted necessarily. That's the way it had to be. But didn't see that they should make some of the people who didn't want to pray and wouldn't pray in the midst of the whole congregation pray together. You know, they didn't have that conviction of conscience. Eventually, they said, well... Our brothers and sisters, you know, we can't have this division. Their conscience is saying that we've got to be together on this. And so for the sake of unity, this is the way it'll have to be. You know, we can't do anything else. We, I don't want to offend my brother. It's the same sort of situation when Paul talked about the meat sacrifice to idols. If it offends your brother, don't serve it. You know? Don't say, well, he ought to be as strong as me. I don't, there's no problem. I don't have a problem with this meat was sacrificed to the idol. It was cheaper in the meat market than the rest of the meat. You know, I, I'm just, I'm trying to be a good steward of, of what God's given me, of the money he's given me. I don't have a problem eating that meat. I'll buy that. When his brother has a problem with it, his brother or sister says, I can't eat that. It's been sacrificed to an idol. And there may be demons attached to that. My conscience won't let me eat that. Don't serve it to them so there may be situations that come up like that and are missed that those who it isn't a matter of conscience may have to be conciliatory towards those who it is a matter of conscience i mean their conscience just won't let them do anything else and i don't want to offend their conscience it doesn't offend my conscience to do it the way they want to do it let's do it that way it's not a problem But he says in essentials there must be unity, in non-essentials tolerance. You know, in the, in the matter of circumcision, we have to be unified on this. This can't be. We cannot make this a condition. O- on the matter of, of whether we eat meat sacrificed to idols or not, you know, that, that's non essential. You know, we don't have to be of the same opinion of that. I can tolerate not eating meat sacrificed to idols if it's not going to offend my brother or my sister. So, in essentials, unity and non-essentials, tolerance. But he says, in all things, charity. Love. Love towards one another. Love in all things. So, there are things about which we must agree. There are other things about which we may disagree. But in all things, charity. All things, we ought to show love one to another. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. And what we have here is a doctrinal dispute about this matter of circumcision. The matter was regarding salvation, and it doesn't get any more important than that. What is necessary for salvation? They said circumcision is necessary, and faith in Christ. Paul Barnes said, no, it's faith in Christ and nothing else. Nothing else is necessary. It's faith in Christ not alone. Upon this same sort of matter we have a disagreement between Paul and Peter. If you remember in uh, Galatians chapter 2, you have, you have Peter eating with the Gentiles but then when certain brethren came from Jerusalem he separated himself from the Gentiles and went over and ate with them. You know, Paul came to him and withstood him, it says, to his face because he was to be blamed. There was sharp contention. Peter was in the wrong. You know. He'd eat with the Gentiles. But then when certain people came, when he could have been a witness and a testimony. So there's going, to be, there's going to be conditions and situations where the meat sacrificed to idols illustration that we can be conciliatory. But there'll be other situations like Peter. Peter, you need to be a witness and a testimony of these people because they think they're too good to eat with the Gentiles you need to show them that it's Christ. It's, it's not being a Jew. It's not all these ordinances. You know, We're under the new covenant. We're all in Christ. We're one. We, need to, we can't shun these brethren. But these men that were contending for circumcision as a necessary condition for salvation were not false professors of Christianity. I mean, if they were unbelievers coming in and attacking us, that's a different matter. But these people were a part of the fellowship and the assembly where there has to be unity. I mean, if the world comes in and puts conditions upon us that the Bible doesn't, and and really the Bible is against, we can't be in accord. We can't be in agreement. There can't be unity. We must obey God rather than men as Peter once said there are people right now who would contend with you that you must be baptized to be saved I think a person ought to be baptized but as a necessary condition for salvation no to tell a person just like circumcision you must be baptized or you can't be saved well then again it's the same issue faith in Christ plus baptism. No, it's faith in Christ alone. Nothing else. The Lord himself submitted to the ordinance of baptism. We ought to submit ourselves to the ordinance of baptism. But you think it might be possible somebody could be saved right before they die? They didn't have an opportunity to be baptized? Sure. There are those that would contend with you that you must Partake of the Lord's Supper every single Sunday in order to be saved. Churches that do that, they have the Lord's Table every single Sunday. Morning service and evening service, both. Got to do that or you can't be saved. Can't be. There are others who hold the opinion that if you sin, you're lost again. Yeah. If you happen to commit a sin after you're saved, you're lost Again. And you go through this condition of being lost and being saved. Being lost and being saved, you know. We've been all, all been wrong about some things, and we might be now. I don't know. There'll be some things that we're wrong about. I'm not naive enough to think that I'm right about everything. I'm convinced about the things that I think I'm right about. But the error was that believing upon Christ was not enough. That you must submit to something else in order to be saved. And really, to their defense, those who were for circumcision, you never find a passage before we get to these like this that says anything about circumcision being done away with. Yeah, so that, they had some Bible, so to speak, to stand on. But these were men that were devoted to tradition rather than to God. They were devoted to tradition that their fathers had kept as Moses passed on down rather than unto God because they knew the same things that happened that Paul and Barnabas were telling the apostles in Jerusalem about. They could have come to the same deduction that other men came unto. But a lot of times we find ourselves just not thinking if this is the way it is, it can't be any different. Well, is this way, because of the fact that I have confessed already that I could be wrong about some things, let me revisit this and look at this again and see, is this really the way that it is? Is this really what the Lord would have me to stand for in this situation? People will say about certain things that we do. It's not scriptural, as I said before. We don't have any scripture for pews, pulpits. Well, we may have a scriptural pulpit, but um, you know, electric lights, heating air, carpet, pianos, organs, songbooks. You know, no scripture for those things. And people want to say, if you can't find it here, you know, some people will contend with you. If you can't find it here. If they can't find scripture for it, then we shouldn't have it. And so there are churches that sing without a piano. I'm glad that we sing with the piano. <laughs> I think it helps. <clears throat> but because they can't find anything about a piano in the in in the Bible, they're not going to have one. So people restrict their view of things by their own interpretation. But the outcome that we have here, it was decided that. It should be heard in Jerusalem. And their goal in taking this to Jerusalem, taking it to the apostles, was unity and peace and harmony among the brethren. And that needs to be our objective in anything like this that comes up is the unity that we've been talking about this morning. Division. We need to do everything that we can to keep that from taking place. You think about all the denominations that we have just in Trinity. All the churches that that Tim and Brooke probably pass on the way here. Why are there so many? Because things like this. Nope, this is the way it is. We're going to go start our own work over here. They They didn't endeavor. The unity wasn't endeavored after. The bond of peace wasn't endeavored after. We're just not going to have it. This is the way it's always been. We're going to do it this way. We've got all these denominations that have resulted. Because they were not interested in unity. They were interested in their own view and doing things their own way. The question is, are we interested in working out those things that may arise like this so that there is unity? We must be. We ought to be. Wrangling and arguing never settled anything. The only thing that comes out of it is disharmony, contention, strife, and division. Doesn't change anybody's mind. Never settles anything. Peace and unity do not come out of strife and division. So what was it that, that settled the issue for those who were for Circumcision. It wasn't a better passage or a better interpretation or somebody's oratory ability to speak. But it was what God had done. What God had done. We see it in verse number 3. The conversion of the Gentiles. God did that. They declared it unto the brethren there. It says in verse number 4 that God did it. They declared all things that God had done with them. Verse number tells, tells verse number 7 tells us that God chose to send Peter unto the Gentiles. Verse number 8 tells us that God acknowledged them. Verse number 10, they're telling them, why are you testing God? It's God that's done these things. God planned this from all time. God knew what he was going to do from the beginning. And that was what settled it. What God had done. And what God had said. What James brought up. When he tells them in verse number 13, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets. This is what we see that God has done. It agrees with what scripture says. As it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. 8070 hadn't happened yet. The temple hadn't been torn down. The Romans hadn't plowed Jerusalem under. What's he talking about? The temple being rebuilt again. James, why are you bringing this up? Temple standing. What's this all about? I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called saith the Lord who doeth all these things. So it must not be a literal application but a spiritual one. Everybody got quiet about what God had done what was brought before them. They listened and remained silent. As Peter stood up, as Barnabas and Paul stood up, and then as James spoke. God was not talking about the tabernacle in a literal sense. He was talking about the tabernacle in a spiritual sense. The tabernacle was what? It was where God dwelt. It was his habitation. He was talking about more than a literal building. He was talking about a spiritual habitation with his people. God in our midst. God with us. And upon these things that were laid out before those who were of the circumcision, agreement was met. It seemed good to them not to cause the Gentiles to submit to circumcision. And there was unity. They were not going to require the Gentiles to keep Jewish tradition. But there were things that were offensive unto their Jewish brethren that the Gentiles did, that they did send them a letter in regards to eating things sacrificed to idols, things strangled, things with blood. I thought about that things things with blood. What would that be? What what's what's in what's in our culinary view that would have blood in it? Boudin. Blood sausage. People like that stuff. I don't know if I've ever tried it. Brother Tim, you ever had boudin? No. Papa likes it. It was offensive to the Jews. He says, Abstain from that. Leave that alone. Don't offend your brothers in the doing of these things. And the decision was received unanimously. If there is not unanimity, then there is division, and we don't want that. There's one God, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. There must be one. As I said before, all we can do is about our part. We have to endeavor. But people are always going to receive our endeavoring, People are always going to receive our hand stretched out in unity, in bond of peace, fellowship, and friendship. There are those in 1 John 2.19 who it says they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. They didn't have anything invested Is there anything invested here? If not, it's not hard to leave. But if so, if these people that you sit here with here today are truly brothers and sisters and you call them brethren in the sense that we talked about this morning with Abraham and Lot, they for whom Christ died, shed his blood, how can we be divided? That church I mentioned before, the first one. I'm not going to mention names because you know them. If they're going to survive, if they're going to continue as a fellowship, it will only be by unity. Just think, here we sit this morning. As far as I know, there's nothing between any of us. We can smile at each other, fellowship with one another, sit down at the table together, think something could creep in here and disrupt all of that and destroy all of that. That we must guard against. Our goal is unity, not compromise. We can't compromise. The essential things, there must be unity. Can't be compromised there. Non-essential things, there's tolerance. But in all things, charity. Unity in Christ is what we must endeavor and strive for. As I said before, glad to be able to bring those kinds of thoughts to our minds in a time when there's not something that's happening and there's ill feelings and there's all sorts of thoughts running through people's minds Well, you just don't know what they did to me. unity in Christ, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace. That's what we must strive after. Let's stand. <clears throat>